0: I wanted to take you back to the type of conversations that I have had with myself and other Christians over a very long period of time where I knew that uh, coming out of college, for example, I uh, attended a very strong Bible-believing church, very blessed. Margaret and I were very blessed to be under the teaching and leadership of people that They loved God's Word, they loved theology, they loved the idea um, that there's a Christian worldview where Christ is Lord of everything. All of life matters to God. All of life is under His Lordship and care. And this salvation is a salvation into His world, His kingdom. And our call is to live that out faithfully, and we're thinking, well, what does that mean? What does that look like? How do we do that? Um, And then going into aerospace, that's a challenge. Um, There's so many demands on aerospace. So a number of conversations I had early on struggling with that concept involved talking to other believers, trying to figure out what does that look like? And we all felt this tension in our lives, of how do you do that faithfully in this kind of a world with these kind of jobs that we're all called into? Um, so my journey was one of looking for answers, trying to figure out what does this look like, what uh, what does it mean to live Christ, with and for Christ faithfully every day in every moment. Um, I think. Um, in your case, it's probably not necessarily engineering, unless you're Larry James, who I've met here at the congregation. But it, it might be managing an office in some workplace environment. It might be uh, taking care of accounts uh, financially at various uh, in a business. It might be juggling a day job with a night job, just trying to make ends meet. Um, that might be your focus. Might be laboring at home as a stay-at-home parent uh, or uh, even a career like closing a large deal. Say so you're working for as a managing partner in a private equity firm. You've been working on this deal for, for a year or more. Uh, what does that look like? I knew that uh, for sure as a believer it meant loving my neighbor, right? I mean, we're called to that as Christians, to be people of love. And when we're sent out into the world, in our workplace we have more contact with non-Christians than in any other context for the most part. And we could be having opportunities to love them, care for them, share the gospel, be a witness, be a light uh, to the world. So I figured maybe that's it. Uh, But then there's always this tension, right? I am hired (laughs) not to do that. I'm hired to to be an engineer. I'm hired to write code, design circuits, build things, test them, make sure they work, make sure they integrate. That work is incredibly complex uh, for aerospace engineers. You're building these things that are these one-off Exotic pushing technology in ways that have in many cases never been done before in stressful environments in Outer space you're trying to work with world-class people who have poured their lives into Education training and honing their skills to do this really well How does that? Connect to loving God and honoring him and loving my neighbor That's what we want to talk about today. Our work is going to take, as an adult, more than half of our waking hours. We want to be able to talk with the Lord at the very end of our lives when all is said and done about those hours. How has that life been spent in a way that loves and honors him? If we think reductionistically about the Christian life, about following Christ faithfully, Uh, and all we can come up with is a list of activities that maybe the church sort of suggests to help you follow the Lord. We might be thinking of this as like an extracurricular exercise to our daily work. We might be thinking about our weekends, how we're going to spend our weekends participating in a small group, a Bible study, serving at church, our daily devotions, volunteering in some kind of charitable cause might be organized by the church. We heard some examples this morning. Um, Might be uh, taking a chance to share our faith over a lunch hour or some break uh, with a co-worker or even going on a missions trip some summer with, with a church group. And I mean, the last thing I wanna do is be misunderstood and communicate to you that any of that is not good. And that if your church is promoting that, they're doing the wrong thing. They're doing the right thing. All those things are good, biblical, fertile ways to give expression to what it means to live out your faith. But we don't want the only way of expressing your faith in your work context, to get reduced to just the ethical conduct of how you're doing the work, as if the particular job isn't what really matters, because that could be any job, right? You could be honest, trustworthy, you know hardworking, all those kind of characteristics we associate with following the Lord um, but What about the work itself? We want the essence of our life's work to matter. We don't want that to get just inadvertently unaddressed in this thought about following the Lord. Um, These deep questions I think scripture in this passage we talked about has answers for. Uh, The beginning of the Bible introduces that big purpose of our life's work. To us first that passage presents uh, God as a worker himself think about it think about the way God describes what he's just done during those six days over and over again the passage is talking about finishing this six days of creation everything's finished and on the seventh day he finished his what he finished his work and then he declares it good and blesses it and he rests from his work keeps coming back to that phrase his work and then we are called to pay attention to that over and over again as we give expression to how we live our lives we're given this prototype work week if you will of God when he gives us the commands to people he says six days you are sh- you shall do your labor and on the seventh day you will rest why because God in six days created the heavens and under the earth, and then on the seventh day he rested from all his work. This is what God is like when he's at work. And then you say to yourself, okay, well, what does that mean? I mean, to read that six days of creation, God's doing this amazing stuff. He's doing stuff people don't do, right? He creates the universe. He's spinning galaxies into existence. He's spinning speaks and things happen, right? I mean, we don't do that as people, but I want you to think a little bit harder about that. What are the characteristics that make up the nature of God as he does those that are directly related to what we mean by work? What does it mean that God worked and then rested? I think he did that in a number of ways that are highly correlated to what it means uh, to be a worker. God makes stuff, think about it. You've got all these raw resources gathered into place, positioned for and planned ahead of time so that they would be ready for things to get made and come out of it that are productive. You have the world, you have the oceans, you have the land, you have the celestial structure of the universe, the galaxy, the solar system, he's building things when he is doing that. And they're incredibly complex things. They involve coming up with the periodic table and the laws of physics and chemistry and then putting them in motion and making them work together in systems that are embedded within systems. And they're all interconnected. It's wild and wonderful. And God is doing this. He's creative. He's productive as a worker. He's also life-giving. He loves to produce life that flourishes. He wants an environment, and he instructs how all these things are going to live and move and interact so that they have They have space. They have all the ways in which they can exercise what it means to be living and fill these spaces and be fruitful in them. And then God decides he wants to express his relational side. He wants to interact with his creation. And he wants to do that in a personal way that rises above the rest of creation so he makes mankind someone that he can commune with someone he can walk with in the cool of the day and interact with someone that he can have this intimate relationship with and then god declares what's good and he declares what's very good and then he declares what's not good all in that creation week. So the whole concept of what are we striving for? What's the ideal? What's the purpose? When we veer away from that, how do we know? God gives us that. He assigns us to that. That's what God's work is like. And naturally, in some very direct way, we can start to relate to that. We are creators. We make stuff. Now, we don't you know ex nihilo and things peer out of nothing, but we do Bring things into existence that weren't there yesterday, and I don't care whether you're talking about the way that you Put a, together a spreadsheet for some office environment to organize Themselves or their finances so that people could efficiently do what they do or you know, whatever it is, you do, I don't care if it's the way, you know, the garbage truck driver decides to execute his route and execute his, his work just a little bit more productively or efficiently or creatively or in the way that he interacts with people around his route or does that, whatever we do, we're creative in it, we're productive in it and we provide we provide for ourselves we provide and care for others we provide for the creation in the way that we steward and develop god's creation we're relational obviously we live in community when we do our work it happens best when it's done effectively interacting with each other leveraging each other's skills and coming in and collaborating in teams and benefiting from how each other Uh, produces and interacts with what it is we're about. We can do so much more that way. We're rulers, not in the sense that, you know, we're given some lofty titles or position, but in the sense that every single person in this room has given a sphere of influence, a sphere of responsibility, a sphere of authority. At any level of any position, it's yours to do. It is yours to steward. You are the one in charge of that piece of work for that day. We all steward that. We all have a measure of dominion and authority. And we declare good and the very good and the not good all the time. We're constantly making decisions about the way to do something or the what. The something's gonna be, or the why something's gonna be done. We're interacting with all of that, and those are all moral decisions. And we want things to be their best. We want them to be better. We want them to be more useful, more helpful, more um, what God would intend in any given situation. We set boundaries around these things. We hedge against the bad and the unjust and the wrongs of the world. Um, These things express the nature of God in us back out to the world as uh, God's image bearers. I did this and saw people doing this all the time in the aerospace industry, Christians and non-Christians, making productive things. Uh, The business I was in, Um, invented satellite television they invented the global positioning system satellites your smartphones all use when you pull up Google Maps it they invented weather satellites to help us steward and navigate and understand the weather patterns and its effect on human beings and their productivity my experience as a manager a lot of uh, my career shifted away from direct technical work to managing organizations and people, providing professional guidance, uh, serving on technical review panels, doing organizational development, hiring, and developing teams that were going to be highly effective to build and do the work we did. Uh, I remember one time I collaborated on a very crude but very effective project. There was, um, I was the first manager in our division that had hired a deaf engineer. And I didn't really know what I was getting into at the time, but I just took a risk and I, I saw this person's resume out of Cal State Long Beach with a good engineering background and I thought, let's try this. Let's see what this is like. So one of the challenges we came across, she was a very gifted, talented engineer, very smart, but We had this arrangement where most people were working in a cubicle environment, and she had her her cubicle, and the way they were designed is your computers were sort of against the back corners of the cubicle and and where the outlets and things were. And so, when you'd come to her cubicle, you'd want to interact with her, and she lip read very well. So, it wasn't that hard to talk to her, um, but she needed to be facing you. So, how do you get her attention and start a conversation? So, you, you sort of somehow sneak into the room and you're trying to think of a way to do this, right? And so, you know, like you like very gently kind of touch her on the shoulder or nudge her on the elbow or something like, she would leap in fright every time you do this. So I'm thinking, oh gosh, this is not working at all. How are we gonna do this? So I, we were just like, do I, you know, fly a paper airplane over her head? Do I, you know I, know, I literally did, you know, wad up some paper a couple of times and like lobbed it over her head, you know. She'd jump. It didn't matter how I was doing. It was like the same effect. So we finally, a group of us thought about this, and we're thinking, shoot, what are we going to do? So um, they rigged up a string that went from the post, and it went across the top of her Cubicle, and then drop down in the corner, and there was a little thing hanging on the end of it, and you could give a little tug on the string, and this thing would start to bob a little bit, and then she'd all of a sudden kind of look up, and then she'd realize, oh, somebody's trying to get my attention. She'd turn around, and you have your conversation. So, uh, it doesn't matter the kind of work you do. We have opportunities to be creative and interact in our environments in ways that give expression to bearing god's image reflecting him out into the world as a worker Um, the second point besides god being a worker and us being workers by bearing his image is god provides us a purpose for our work in this narrative this early genesis narrative Um, think about um, these Familiar passages, uh, not that one, the last one. Uh, There you go. From, I'm thinking of uh, Colossians 3, verse 23. They kind of are supposed to summarize the expression of the Christian life. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. And in 1 Corinthians 10, in verse 31, it's kind of a similar passage. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Think about that. All of our life can be summed up as needed to be an expression of serving God, serving Jesus and glorifying and loving God. All of it should somehow relate to that and if it's not we need to think harder about this we must focus first in our work about glorifying God how do we do that Jesus gave us the command to love the Lord your God with all of yourself heart soul mind and strength and surely didn't expect us to like carve out half of our waking adult hours and say well, that's kind of over here. I'll do that over here instead. He, want, he called that the first and greatest command, to love God. There's this immediate directness about that. And he says the second is like it, but it's not the same as it. Loving your neighbor as yourself. It's important, but it's not to displace loving God we are to love God with all of ourselves. The second command should only be an expression of the first command, not a displacement of it. And I wanna suggest that we can love God specifically by loving our neighbors, but we cannot love God completely by loving our neighbors. How many of us think when we're going to the workplace, You know, people are the only thing that matters. It's really about finding a way to love the people that are here. The work is kind of the work. It's maybe a means to this better ends. When we think about is, in a church community, good Christian work, we're normally not thinking about our daily grind in our weekday job. Uh, We want to think about it with a renewed vision. We want to think about it in terms of everything that we do. We want to think about it in terms of what glorifies God in this thing that I'm about, in this moment. And there's two ways that I think we could think about that in our work. One of them is when you have a choice. And sometimes in this Western world where we have access to education and a bunch of different opportunities, we can reflect on the type of work that we do and what best fits the way God has made me, right? I mean, we have gifts, we have skills, we have innate aptitudes towards how we relate to people. Some people are, have to be in a social team environment. Other people are more introverts and they really need you know, and won't work well. They have more alone time and focus time. Um, there's all different aspects to that that make us unique in our expression of what it means to bear God's image. And to do that in a work environment, we need to find work that fits who we are so that we can glorify God the best. The flip side of that same coin though is we need to acknowledge that a lot of the work we do, we don't have a choice in. In fact, most of human history is full of people doing work that they had no choice in. And do we write them off as having no opportunity because they couldn't find the work that fit? I don't think that's the case. I think the case is whatever work you're assigned to do You need to do in a way that glorifies God the best. It's the flip side of the same coin. It's all about glorifying God. When you have the freedom, find the work that's the best fit. When you don't have the freedom, glorify God through the work that he's given to you, knowing that he's given it to you. Even if it doesn't feel like an ideal fit, he will use it. Among all of us, in whatever context, Brother Lawrence once reflected about dishwashing as being this wonderful opportunity to love and worship and honor God. It was like one of his most worshipful experiences was the washing dishes for the monastery he was living in at the time. Um, I love uh, a couple of passages, uh, quotes about this. Uh, Irenaeus, the early church father expressed that the glory of God is man fully alive. So if you are fully expressing yourself as a human being that work that does fit with your nature, you are more able to glorify God. And then the flip side of that is to pair that with a quote of John Calvin's. He says, No task will be so sordid and base, provided you obey your calling in it, that it will not shine and be reckoned very precious in God's sight. So it could be washing dishes. It could be doing something that you don't relate to is the greatest fit. And we all have seasons and tasks that get assigned to us that need to be done. This could be changing dirty diapers. This could be finishing a project that someone else took all the credit for and you had no opportunity to correct that situation and it, the project still needed to get to done, it's still on your plate, and then you faithfully executed on that knowing that the one who knew the truth and deserve the credit about that, is gonna get worked out between you and the Lord privately. And you faithfully did a good job and followed through on that. That it's a matter of faithfulness that includes dealing with all of life, including the daily messes that need our attention. So remember that being created in God's image means that we seek to find and create value and purpose in our work for his glory, similar to the way God does work with all those attributes, imitating what God is like in the way that we give expression to our daily lives. That's what it means to be godly. That's what we ta- we're talking about when we're talking about being imitators of Christ. Christ was there creating the world with God in this world. Uh, creation narrative as well another caution we want to uh, remind ourselves is we don't want work to be reduced to this idea of making money so that it can serve a better ends and a lot of times I think you know we get into a career a lot of jobs sound great on the early end you work at it for a number of years and you get to do some cool things and then after a while you know, the bureaucracy, the politics, the, the monotony of the same kind of thing over and over again sets in, and jobs become paying the bills, right? Making money, providing for future needs, taking care of our family, uh, giving tithes, having money to, to use charitably and serve the work of the church. Um, but this cannot displace the glorifying God in even the daily routine of our lives. Dorothy Sears has a great quote on this. I'll read you the full quote because I think it's so helpful. She wrote, the habit of thinking about work as something one does to make money is so ingrained in us that we can scarcely imagine what a revolutionary change it would be to think about it instead in terms of the work done. We should ask of an enterprise, not what it will pay, but is it good? Of a man, not what does he make, but what is his work worth? Of goods, not can we induce people to buy them, but are they useful things well made? Of employment, not how much a week, but will it exercise my faculties to the utmost? And if so, this may give us A very precise and practical meaning to the words seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you think about that if we reimagine the work in its value and purpose the way God thinks about the value and purpose of work opportunity to express and glorify him through all of it, God in turn will provide for you. He will meet your daily needs through it. And the last point, which I really feel remiss if we don't talk about this, is to acknowledge that all this, you know, this glorious enterprise of doing work unto God's glory is The context of that is we do that work in a fallen world. This is a broken world. There are gonna be problems, struggles, headaches, issues that we have to deal with that. And uh, Adam's interaction on this uh, with the Lord in that third chapter that immediately follows that creation narrative is so poignant, right? God says to Adam, For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. (laughs) Pretty sobering, you know, reframe of the context that we're going to have to do this labor in. This work is going to be hard, painful at times, toilsome. It can get boring. It can involve difficult people, bosses, clients, co-workers, uh, it can actively resist your best efforts when you're exercising your skill at its peak and then things don't go right and a project goes haywire or, you know, the internet goes down, you know, and you're in these critical phases of a project, something collapses on you and ultimately, at least in a physical sense, work's going to conquer you you will be forced to quit. (laughs) And that could be through a retirement of your choice. That could be a forced retirement. That could be illness. That could be, you know, your body wears out. And you ultimately surrender this whole idea of work and serving God and glorifying him that way through death, Um, which is, you know, what could be more sobering than that? But before you conclude that I'm kind of ending on a note It sort of leaves you back at that little series of video clips where people are like, well, then what do I do? How does this make any sense? You know, this is a broken world we live in. Um, We need to be reminded that God has purpose not just in the value and the big purpose for our work, but he has deep purpose in the trials, in the suffering, in the hardships that come through our work. And one of the uh, key go-to passages a lot of people lean in on is that passage in James, the Count All Joy passage. My brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. So I, for one, would be the first to confess I'm not at the count it all joy phase when everything just starts to unravel on something in my life. Um I am more in the I react badly and then I stop and then I pause and I think there's something more going on here I need to pay attention into. I really need to reflect and think about what's God up to here? What's He about? How is He present in this as much as in the good times, the the mountaintop experiences where things are working well? How is God using, maybe even strategically, this moment for good in me and in this situation. Um, I'll tell you a short story about that really brought a lot of this home for me. This was late in my aerospace career. I kind of peaked towards the back end of my career. I was managing a large uh, group of uh, very high-end systems engineers de- designing these satellite systems. And it was just such an honor and privilege to get to work through these people. I had, at one time, 300 people reporting to me in a lot of different departments, with a lot of managers, and, and a lot of responsibility. And uh, the work they did was phenomenal, people way smarter than myself. And following that peak, we started to see an economic decline especially in our government business. Our commercial business had been flat for a while, but our government business really started to drop off. And so we're looking at shrinking, we're looking at reorganizing. The company at large is looking at saving money, making cost cutting measures, acting us to participate in all that. Finally got to a point where there was this roll down announcement that said the level that I was at, which was this executive engineering manager position, was going to get cut. They were going to get rid of that position, that level, that title, and all the benefits that went with it. So uh, I was, I had a generous bonus at the end of the year. I had stock options coming in. My salary classification was significant at the time. I had just uh, rebuilt our house. It was this rickety uh, track Torrance house in, in that was kind of a dream to be able to, have a remodeled house so we had just rebuilt the house Uh, we had a bigger mortgage I had two adult children going to private college at the time I was paying enormous amounts every year in tuition I used to jokingly say that every time I'd pay one of my kids tuition it was like um, buying a car that I never get to drive (laughs) you know and I did that twice every year Um, you know and I thought Lord the timing of this decision to have all of us at my position demoted, we had to do the same job, but we're gonna lose all those benefits, was really bad. Couldn't you have thought this through a little bit more? You know, and, and uh, so my knee-jerk reaction was, oh man, you know, what can I do? You know, do I go, like, look for a different position in the company where I could restore that, you know, whatever. And I just thought, you know, this feels too familiar to me. I've had a lot of seasons where, like, something happened that really, really went, you know, just off, and I really felt like this is taking a really bad turn career-wise or just doing the work that I love to do. And I thought, you know, God's up to something here. And I don't want to miss it. There's something good in all this. And I don't know whether it means this is going to be really hard. Probably is. But I think I need to hang in there and find out what that is. I have too much invested here to just walk on this situation. So what are you up to, Lord? So I I started to refresh. Questions I had about what's the beauty and good about why we do the nature of the work we do at this company? How does that glorify God by having this group of engineers doing what we do, get to collaborate on these projects? That's still good, that's still important. These people are still important. There's just all a privilege to get to work with these people. And I have organization skills, I have history, I have heritage here, I can steward this, if this is what you're calling me to do, so I hung in there. And then what happens? It gets worse. Contacts are drying up right and left. The company's saying, you know what? We're gonna do some pretty drastic things now. So my first step was I had to take all my senior managers under me and demote them. So I'm thinking, what am I gonna tell them? They're all gonna be feeling just the way I felt two years ago. So I'm like, oh, you know what? I just created this speech I've been telling myself about why this company is still a good place to work and, you know, what do we do here? What's so important about this? And I'm like, I'm thinking that through. I'm finding myself giving that speech to someone else and not myself for a change. And at the same time, I was made operations manager of this larger directorate of systems engineers and said, we're going to lay off 300 people. We're going to do that over a course of a couple of years. Steve, you're in charge." It's like, great. That's kind of like a manager's worst fear, right, is having to be in, in, in charge of layoffs. So, I was having to pull together these managers on this like regular rotating basis. They had to totem their employees, draw lines through their roster, and make these hard decisions. So what did I find myself doing? I was praying. (laughs) I was praying a lot more about this situation than it was regularly praying about my work. Every time we'd have one of those meetings, I was praying going into the meeting that we would do things like find work for these people in other parts of the company and transfer them, secure their lives and work Well, praying that for the ones that had to be laid off, it would be done with respect and grace, and we would provide all the resources and help that we could provide as a company, so that they can land on their feet. That whatever, wherever they landed, and how that worked out, would somehow turn out to be a blessing for them and not a curse. They would find opportunities and ways to flourish as people. I had people coming to my office way more often these days, asking for career advice. They could see the writing. Sometimes people I'd worked with for 20 years that were worried about their jobs, wanted to know what to do. I was praying over these meetings and these employees with opportunities that I didn't have prior to all this. I got into this a couple of years, and I realized as much as I hated the sense of the type of work I was having to do, I felt more called to my job than at any other point in my career. This was meaningful and purposeful work to God. And somehow in all that, my kids graduated from college. The tuition bills got paid. I kept my house. We managed through it. God provided, just in ways, in ways that look backing on it felt miraculous at the time. Our trials are tools God uses to shape us more into his image. And through the miracle of his grace, he does his best work through broken people, seeking him out, desiring faithfulness. In their lives and there's no way I can think of to better end this message is to think of Jesus reflecting back on his life and saying what was this all for and then making a declarative statement this is part of his high priestly prayer in John chapter 17 listen to the words of Jesus is at the end of his life he says I glorified you on earth having accomplished the work that you gave me to do let's pray god our father we come to you and thank you for the privilege of working with you in this world may our efforts be first and foremost to your glory and as we discover you revealing your purposes and how you partner with us in all the activities of our daily work May we find a reason to offer our labor, not as a mere means to better ends, but rather as an act of worship. We ask this in your Son's name. Amen.